You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, Episode 9. And the class was super helpful. I think being able to reframe my brain with pain was super helpful because it was pain with a purpose. Mm. Um, and taking that class, your class, was just, there was just so much knowledge in that. Hey there, and welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves-Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC Childbirth Education and Labor Support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on the show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Today, you'll hear Mariko's and Rick's story of hiring a doula very well suited to them for Mariko's labor and who served them in very practical and holistic ways throughout pregnancy, labor, and into postpartum. Right around 40 weeks, Mariko's OB decides there's a bit of concern about baby's well-being due to lack of movement, so they check into their Long Island hospital, Winthrop, for an induction. She shares the ways in which she was able to find coping strategies that rendered an epidural or other pain medications unnecessary. They also talk a bit about how they believe their meditation practice translated into labor. They're also going to share a few parenting strategies they've found useful that could be really helpful for parenting your newborn. During this interview, you'll hear subtle, rhythmic sounds of crickets. Given Rick is a music therapist and musician, I can't help but wonder if that was an intentional sound they were playing for their daughter. It seemed to me that the cricket sounds become a bit more noticeable after their daughter makes a few sweet sounds around 13 and a half minutes into this episode. I haven't checked in with them to ask, but that's my hunch. Rick has provided some really cool music resources in the show notes that I'll detail at the end of today's episode. Before we get started on the birth story, today's episode is brought to you by the Birth Matters Complete Online Course. If you can't squeeze in an in-person group birth class series, or if you didn't feel like the one you took was comprehensive enough, or if you don't even have a quality class available in your area, I have the perfect solution for you. Birth Matters Complete Course is an online recorded version of my in-person full series. It covers not only prep for an amazing birth with self-advocacy tips, best current evidence, and tips for partners, but also holistic postpartum wellness, breastfeeding, and newborn care. And to top it off, you get lifetime access so that you can use it as a refresher later in this or future pregnancies. How awesome is that? For New York City locals, you have an option to add to the course an in-person, one-evening, hands-on comfort measures workshop, which is a really ideal option for the more tactile parts of the course. Check it out at birthmattersonline.com. Now let's get started with today's birth story. Hello, hello. So glad you guys are here on the show today. Thanks so much for coming on to share your birth story and other things. So why don't you guys just introduce yourselves first and let us know where you are in your parenting journey. Uh, sure. My name is Mariko, and my husband is here. Rick. <laughs> I gave birth April 13th, 2019. Um, so she is four months now. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, you're a little bit past that fourth trimester now, hopefully coming out of the clouds a little bit and it sounded like you're back to work. Do you, yeah. Have you been back to work for a while? Um, I just went back to work after 16 weeks. So yeah, it's been, it's been a lot. This is our first, our first baby, first, you know, pregnancy. There's just the whole, 
I did the whole process, the first trimester and the second trimester. I think there was just a lot of, not so much confusion, I would say, but when you haven't been through something before, there there is sort of a big question marks and how's the labor going to be? What's happening? Um, I don't have my immediate family around. So that was a big one for me. So searching for a doula and reading a ton of books, but even reading books in a way, um, it's not, it's not as helpful as like attending a class or meeting a doula or having somebody with you as like a, a big support system. Um, so we did find a doula. I set up some interviews. Um, and when I, when you meet the one, you kind of know it's like an instant connection felt like a sister and she, she led us to you. So that was great. But she brought in so much, um, knowledge, of just, you know, I chose to birth in a hospital because I love my OBGYN. He was really open to everything, but he also birthed my niece and nephew, which was great. So there was a trust there, but he was really open to birthing positions and all this stuff. So the doula, you know, she had like questions that we were able to ask, you know, can you get into a different position? How long can you be? Because I guess when you're in the hospital setting, there are some protocols um, that I wasn't even aware of um, in terms of what can happen, um, how long you could labor in a hospital even, just things that, you know, you want to avoid if you can. And having that knowledge, I think, going into it was really helpful because every appointment we're like, what are we supposed to ask today again? Um, how long can I stay at home if my water breaks? Can How long can I labor at home? Do I want to get into the hospital quickly? And like all of that, I think, was really helpful for both of us. Oh, yeah. And how early in your pregnancy did you hear about a doula or did you, did you already know about doulas? <clears throat> I was kind of nerding out. I was listening to podcasts too at the time and reading books. So, and reading Ina May Gaskin's childbirth book or whatever. And I knew I wasn't going to go to a farm. <laughs> like, <I'd burn. laughs> right. um, but yeah, I, I feel like it was late. I, I wish it was earlier, but maybe not too late. I guess around maybe 20 weeks. I would say somewhere in the middle that's, of my pregnancy. That's a lot earlier than most people. Most people don't even know about a doula or, or think about it until their last trimester, their third trimester. Yeah. Cool. Right. So you yeah. had her for some of that pregnancy to help guide you, it sounded like, with those prenatals. That's great. Wow, right. How wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She was, she was awesome. Um, I, I did like her too because she was holistic in a sense. So there were some things that you know, we shared like a like-mindedness, like she was into aromatherapy and essential oils. And, you know, she talked about being able to bring that into the pregnancy, like safe essential oils that I could use during the pregnancy. She also made products, which was great. Um, so she gave me, you know, some creams to use and some creams that I could use after the birth for just healing. Also aromatherapy in the room. So she was able to set up, um, the birth room was a, like aromatherapy. And I remember when the OB came in, he was like, I want this for every birth <laughs> because uh, it felt really great in there. Um, uh -huh. So that was good. Now, Rick, what, what were your thoughts? Had you heard of a doula before and were you on board with it or were you concerned? Uh, do you have concerns about it or hesitations about hiring a doula? No hesitations at all. I, I mean, I didn't know too much about it until Rico kind of researched and, and gave me the rundown. Um, but as soon as I met her, it, it made total sense to have that. It's like having a, you know, a coach, somebody to kind of fall back on when you're confused or, or you're not sure about something, having someone who knows what they're doing and who knows what you want, kind of keep things on track for you is, is huge. Nice. That's great. 
I love that you were on board because some partners are concerned that they're like, well, I don't want to be replaced. You know, like, is she going to take my place? I don't want that. And then others are like, oh, please take my place. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I love it when a doula is there to, to fit into whatever you guys envision. So it sounds like that was what she was doing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the doula was great. Her name is Bori. Everything. And I liked also that she wasn't, that was sort of a misconception I had too. I thought a doula was going to come in and like take over and almost like what you had just said to Rick, where not like replace my partner, but the fact that it was just like gentle guide, gentle guidance and just the knowledge behind all of it with, you know, I was able to text her. She was kind of just there a hundred percent of the time where I'm like, I'm feeling this way. Is that normal? And a lot of holistic remedies instead of, you know, I was getting anxiety um, because I was working full time too. So there was like times where I was getting anxious and um, she was recommending, you know, rescue remedies. She, I was like, that's safe for pregnancy. She's like, you could just take a drop, put in your water. Um, That was, you know, super helpful. I carry that Um, in my doula bag. A lot of us do. Really? Yeah, no, that was, that was amazing, especially towards the end, you know, leading up to the birth and waiting. But yeah, my, my birth, there was some things that happened that wasn't sort of in my plan. Um, and it was not like super scary, but I went in, we went in for um, just like a regular testing. I was in close to my 40th week and there wasn't a lot of movement with the baby and stuff, but she could have been in a sleep state, which is definitely what was happening because I was in my last week of pregnancy and I was full term. And he was like, I don't like what I'm seeing. And, and I'm considered, you know, I mean, I'm healthy and everything, but I'm over 35. So that was another, you know, concern. He's like, it's probably not this, but I'd rather have you checked out. So I ended up going into the hospital and um, they had induced me. So that was sort of a letdown a little bit, you know, not, I was kind of like, oh, like I thought I was going to go into labor, be home, like, you know, making cookies, painting or whatever, but rolling with the punches and then also having a doula, you know, that instead of being like, oh, like, I was almost afraid that she was going to be like, oh, you know, like disappointed. And she's like, great. Okay. Like, let me know what's happening. And da, 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 and like super positive. Um, Rick was able to text her the whole time. And I was like, oh, okay. And that wasn't, you know, having the induction, I guess in the moment I was a little, you know, upset about it. But then when they're like, you're going to have your baby tomorrow, like probably tomorrow. That's when I was kind of like, all right, I'm done being pregnant. <laughs> so even though it happened this way, I'm like, I still have all the tools and taking the class on um, the childbirth class was such a big help in terms of also in the last trimester it was a big help to know what was happening in my body. I wasn't hungry. The third trimester, your stomach is squashed and people are like, eat, eat. How come you're not eating? And I'm like, the baby is pressing on everything. And this is what's happening in my body it was helpful. And the techniques, the counter pressure techniques, super helpful. I can see how going into the hospital being induced, how someone can kind of have that snowball effect and all the tools that I did have with me in terms of, you know, requesting a Bluetooth monitor, being active throughout my whole pregnancy and during the the labor time, because there was a few times that they took me off the Bluetooth monitor while I was laboring. They're like, can you just like be in the bed and want to get like a clearer fetal tone? Like we lost, you know, the heartbeat. And when I would have a contraction laying on this hard bed and I was like, oh my God, I could see why people want, you know, 
uh, pain relief. I was like, I need to be up. I need to be walking. And the nurse was great because she's like, I see what you're trying to do. She's like, so if you want me to put this on you while you're standing even, and you can be standing, I'll do that. And I'll come back in five minutes and I'll check. And I requested a birthing ball. So I had that. But the counter pressure techniques, I mean, we packed a bag. We had it filled with snacks. Learning that there was that new law that was passed, but maybe the hospitals didn't catch on about eating was great too um, because I was, I was eating. The nurses were like kind of giving me clear liquids or whatever, and I wasn't eating big meals, but I was eating a little bit because I was like, I'm going to have to birth a baby. I need some energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we packed the rebozo, which was one of my favorite things. And just for listeners who aren't familiar with a rebozo, it's a long scarf that's like two feet wide, maybe eight to 11 feet long. And it's been used in Mexico by midwives for many, many years as a beautiful way to, for comfort measures, for partners to work smarter, not harder. So I just wanted to clarify that because a lot of people would be like, what's a rebozo? I've never heard of that. (laughs) Yeah, all of that was amazing. And leading up to the birth, I mean, every night it was just like relieving that pressure on my back. Rick was awesome because he would be like massaging my back at night. Oh, and yeah, it was awesome. going going into that. And it was kind of scary for us because we left the OBGYN and they were like, all right, well, come back to the hospital at four and you'll check in and they'll check you. Oh. And I'm like, I need to food shop. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm, like, I'm not, gonna not ready. <laughs> when I come back and we're like, go, I'm like is this really happening? But and did you say you were 40 weeks when this happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think I, I was able to, I mean, I guess I could have waited, um, but with the low fetal, t- you know, the, you know, not moving around and all of that. But when I did get into the hospital and they checked again, she was like a little acrobat. So we joked around and we were kind of like, I guess she wanted to come early. She <laughs> 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 wanted to come when she was supposed to come because she basically came on her due date, which was kind of funny. Oh, wow. But yeah, the, the contractions and being active, all those techniques and the class was super helpful. I think also being able to ref, like reframe my brain with pain was super helpful because it was pain with a purpose. Mm. Um, and taking that class, your class, was just, there was just so much knowledge in that. And it's, it's not like I broke my leg and I'm like, oh, I need pain relief. It was more of, this is, this is going to pass and I can get through it. Yeah. Oh, the baby. I the baby. I love the baby sounds. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was great. And yeah, the next thing I knew, um, my water, my water broke. So they didn't check me pretty much for a really long time for fear of infection and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was a point where the contractions were really intense, and the nurse that was with me all day was like, "I'm dying to know where you are." She was like, "Cause." <laughs> And any, you know, any medication, no epidural. And they asked me a few times and they're like, we see what you're trying to do. My OB was great. He's like, if you don't know if you need one. Cause I was like, I don't think so. I don't think I need it. He's like, if you don't know that, then you don't, then you don't need it if you don't know. Nice. Nice. So I was like, okay. He's like, you'll know, you know, when it's time. And I'm like, how am I going to know when it's time? How am I going to know when it's time? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I knew <laughs> when it was time. They checked me out seven centimeters. By that point, my doula came and she's like, wow, great. Okay. They checked an hour later because there was just this point where I was like, I feel like I have to push. And I went from seven to 10 in an hour. Wow. Your body just all of a sudden got it. Sometimes that can happen. Yeah. And do do you remember how many hours in from the like start of the induction this was? Induction was long because I, we slept there overnight. So I was checked in the day before 
I think by morning I was like two centimeters or just about two centimeters. And then I would say I got to seven, well, 11 o'clock, maybe I was two centimeters or so. By seven o'clock, I was seven. Centimeters. 7 p.m.? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so this that, is a little more than 24 hours later, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, because she was born around, she was born at like 947, I think. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, when we got to 10 centimeters, and I, I remember looking at Rick and I was like, no epidural. <laughs> my brain was just like, oh my God, how am I, like, I was just wondering how the, getting to the other side of it was going to be like. But yeah, it was, it was amazing. Um, and I think once you get to pushing, that's when it was just like, it wasn't painful. It was just getting through the contractions for me anyway was the most painful part. In in the first stage before pushing, you mean? Yeah. 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 Once pushing happened, it was more of something that, I don't know, it was just, you were able to do something with that pain in a sense. Yeah, it feels much more proactive. I find that that's, of course, everybody's different, but I find that more often than not, that's the response that a lot of women have is that the second stage was a lot more manageable in terms of the way you're perceiving the sensations happening yeah and it was it was sort of like a relief to be at that point and the nurses were great too um because they were helping me you know get into different positions which i didn't even know you were able to you know they were sitting sitting me up there was a point where i was like almost like it looked like i was sitting in a chair but i did find for me the most comfortable thing was you know being on my side so every con Every other contraction I was doing on my left side, then they would help turn me and I'd do the right side just to try to get the baby to kind of move around and get mm-hmm. into, you know, a better position. But yeah, I mean, I think Rick had a funny, well, I mean, Rick's side of things during that time was actually pretty, pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you want to share, Rick? That one part of it that, that's <laughs> funny, but I mean, I, th- I think the whole thing was amazing. Um, going through the process, I think the most, I don't know, the best thing I think I was able to do was was just be really mindful and present in the moment because you can't predict anything that's going to happen at any given moment. And the amount of, of fluctuations and changes, like no no man can really ever possibly know what that feels like. It's impossible. So you just have to kind of, really focus on your partner and and zone in to to whatever it is they need and and try to give them what they need before they ask for it (laughs) that's tricky yeah and i think after you know because it's hours you know within the first one or two hours you might not know exactly what you're doing but you fall into a rhythm you fall into a pattern and i don't know i think it was it was almost kind of like a meditation of sorts where you're just doing things without knowing your intuition takes over Mm. just going with the flow um i think the the actual birthing was unbelievable in every way you can imagine but um the doctors were were really cool and they they let me be as hands-on as as i can be in that process which to be honest i didn't know if it was something I was going to want to see, you know, you talk to, I would talk to friends or other guys and don't look and, you know, that <laughs> yeah. disgusting or not to be the same. But, you know, I think that's all a bunch of fluff. Um, 
and to witness that is is basically a miracle. So I didn't want to miss it. Um, so the doctor let me basically. I was holding her legs up. Yeah. I was all up in it right next to the doctor, <laughs> like I worked there. Um, oh, so you weren't up by her head? No, you, I was. Uh, you were down room. there. Well, yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> you and Mariko, I guess you were okay with that. I was okay with it. Yeah, yeah there was a awesome. point where he was holding my right leg, my doula was holding my left leg, and they were like helping me go through the contractions. But I was in a completely different space. Like I've read about that space where one of the nurses jokes around where um, I would open my eyes and then I'd like kind of see everybody and close my eyes and I was just somewhere else. Like I was just very in tune with my body and what was happening and just focusing on what was going on internally um because yeah when i did open my eyes i was just like whoa lots of people in my face i was like bye bye <laughs> i just closed my eyes sure like, yeah, yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah yeah sorry rick i, I think i kind of cut you off a second ago <laughs> keep um, going i'm loving well, hearing your insights yeah i mean it's going through that is is pretty intense i <laughs> i don't know i i i kind of it felt very tribal to me um if that makes sense Sure. In a good way, um, where it's just, it's a very intense moment. And, you know, I'm watching Rico push with all her might. And it's, it, I, it's it might be a weird metaphor, but it almost started to feel like a sport. <laughs> where, you, you know, you would see the tiniest bit of the baby's head start coming out. I'm watching her push with all her might. And, you know, it's that, that last hold and then that last push. Uh -huh. And you want that head to just come out that little <laughs> bit more, and then it goes whoop right back in. And you're like, damn, next time. What are you doing next time? So Get the ball through the goal. Yeah, it, it became a sport where it's like every time, you know, truly trying to be her coach. Like, you know, all right, just push, hold, push it. It's going to come out a little tiny bit more, and, and you go through that each time, and it's like to the it kind of excitement to, to get to that point where the baby finally comes out. Mm -hmm. which is where the funny part maybe comes in, in my world. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm a, into comedy, I guess. So <laughs> I find things funny. Maybe the average person doesn't always think it's funny. So, you know, the initial thing, um, when the, the head started coming out, from the, my viewpoint, you know, you're watching this process and you just see a little bit and there's a little bit of hair and like whatever. And... Obviously, the whole head wasn't out. It was literally the, the tiniest part of that. So in my mind at the time, I was like, wow, the baby's so small. <laughs> and then I'm thinking to myself, like, what's wrong with you? That's like the tiniest part of the head. Like, it's like the whole head. So finally, the last push where the head came out, in that literal exact moment in time that Mariko was, you know, upright pushing and the baby's head popped out they turned the baby or whatever they did so now the baby's face is up and mariko's face is up and it's the baby's head coming out of you know where <laughs> just her head and mariko in mid push and they're like both the baby's crying and mariko's like ah! <laughs> and the visual of the baby's head coming out where it's coming out and mariko staring at the baby and they both have like the same expression on I just started laughing. At that point, I was delirious, and I just started cracking up. It was like a cartoon. But at the same time, amazing. And then 
the baby came out and being able to to witness that and see the Rico's body fall down and the sigh of relief in that moment and the baby come out. It's it's overwhelming. It's it's beautiful, it's overwhelming being able to cut the cord, the whole thing. And again, like from the classes, looking at the doctor when, when he wanted me to cut the cord and telling him we wanted to wait to do that for a minute and try to get yeah. as much extra time with the cord there as we could. And then, then I cut the cord and um and just, you know, it, I don't know, it was just beautiful, like seeing the baby go on Mariko for the first time and the sigh of relief for both of them in that moment is, is beautiful. So the baby does a whole lot of work too. So it's, yeah. it's just, yeah. it, it all comes together in that moment and it's, it's well worth it. And how are you feeling in this moment of the birth, Marika? Um, I feel like I didn't real like, there was almost, um, I didn't think an actual human was coming out until they handed me <laughs> the baby, where it's just, not that I would see her on the sonograms and all of that sort of thing. And, and Rick, you know, Rick was coming up to me and he was like, she has hair. And I was like, she does? Oh, he's <laughs> like, one more push and I think she'll be out. And she's coming out and da 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 but yeah, when when she finally did come out, um, and they they placed her on my belly, and and um, they were doing the cord thing, and then I just remember she like I just remember like because I was so tired at that point, um, my eyes were closed, and I just remember kind of just like feeling her with my hands, and even when she wasn't like kind of like nuzzled in my neck, just holding her, and Rick has this like awesome photo too where she was like grabbing my hands, and she was just like just came out, she came out smiling too we have this awesome <laughs> photo where she's smiling and holding his finger um oh, I love yeah, it. She's, she, it was amazing i couldn't believe it i think i was in complete awe and amazement um when she was just kind of on me and i was like oh my god there's an actual human being here it it was it was surreal it was a surreal moment and also yeah it was also a relief too yeah. i think it's like it feels like you're running a marathon for hours um, and then you're kind of like at the end and it's like quiet and it was great they were able to um you know give us time with her so i was able to do we were able to both do skin on skin for an hour um, they didn't take her away or anything but yeah that was it was awesome um and then i think a little somewhere in between there we had a lactation consultant from the hospital come in and just do like the you know, preliminary prep and getting the first latch. Um, and she was really good. I mean, I'm lucky in that sense because um, she was super alert and she was even picking her head up right after birth, which I guess from that, that video that, that we watched, was it the birth crawl, I think it was? Or the, the breast, breast crawl. crawl, yeah. Uh-huh, the UNICEF um, video. It was in the Amazing Talents of the Newborn video. Uh-huh. Yeah, when I saw that, you know, I kind of realized how strong newborns were too. But seeing it for the first time and seeing her kind of lift her head and my doula was like, oh my God, amazing. Like she's lifting her head up off, you know, off the chest and like kind of positioning herself and just being, you know, stronger than this like little, like, I don't know, like you have like this idea that they're like this little, like, I don't know the word for it, but yeah, she was full of life in that sense. Um, she, we were able to get a really good latch, but I feel like the next two days was like, all we were doing was just practicing that. But she was good in that sense. And my doula was able to help me with that too. And it was great to have her there as well because she stayed with us until we got into our private room, which wasn't until, I mean, when everything was kind of settled and 
We probably were in our private room after midnight, um, but she stayed with us the whole time just to make sure everything was was good. And, you know, Rick was able to go downstairs and kind of deal with some stuff and get food and just kind of get us settled in. And she was able to hold the baby when I was kind of just, you know, with the nurse for a second. So that was great because the baby never really had a moment where she was alone. I think one of my favorite memories of that whole experience was we're in our private room, our doula leaves, and after all the nurses come and introduce themselves and da 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 they're like, okay, you're breastfeeding, we'll leave you alone and make sure you do this, that, and the other thing. And we're in the room and it's dark and she's in the little bassinet next to our bed. And Rick is like sleeping on this pull-out couch and we're whispering to each other like we're in sleepaway camp. Like talking to each other about like the best parts of the whole night. We're like, and then this, and I'm like, we should really go to sleep because she's going to wake up. And we're like, you know what was awesome? And like, it, we felt like two little kids. And then we'd like both look and we're like, there's a baby over there. <laughs> like, this is amazing. It's wild, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, and when she moved and we were like, oh my God, she moves. Like, it was just, it was an awesome feeling. And you were at Winthrop Hospital, right? Yes. Out yeah. on Long Island? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I always just like for people who are listening who are local and maybe looking for a birthplace. And so you were happy with the care, it sounds like, overall? Uh, yeah, no, with, yeah, Winthrop, yeah, Winthrop is great. And for a hospital, I think they are definitely honoring, uh, you know, they're being in a hospital setting. I mean, I think if I ever have another baby, I would probably, I have more confidence now, obviously, to kind of try something else but in terms of being in a hospital and the security of that they are definitely up to par with trying to you know be as natural as possible and give you like some amenities that that are available the bluetooth monitor again i think is a huge a huge thing where they just stick it on your belly and you're able to walk around because that i was i was loving that not having to be stuck to the bed and you know laying there because that doesn't feel good it's like um all those things, though, are a big part of that, I think, is because of your class. Because we went into the hospital knowing what to ask for, mm-hmm. knowing to have some kind of idea, at least at the bare minimum, of the things we wanted, where if we didn't take the class, we probably wouldn't have asked for a Bluetooth monitor. Right. Yeah, that's true. Right? You wouldn't have really been trying to, to walk around and stand as much, maybe, or... I mean, they weren't pushy. They they don't bother you. They they pretty much leave you to your to yourself for most of the time mm-hmm. until it shows. <laughs> yeah, but but if we didn't know all those things, it's very easy in the heat of the moment to to just say yes to stuff because you, mm. don't, you don't know what's going on. Oh yeah, okay, okay, sure, okay. Yeah, whatever. that's so true. Yeah. So it's it was a huge part of that is knowing all that stuff. It's, mm-hmm. And in your situation with being induced, you were going to have to have continuous monitoring. So it yeah. was great that the wireless was, the Bluetooth was an option right. because otherwise it would have been so much more restrictive to be tethered yeah. to something. Yeah. And uncomfortable because we, we were checked in the night before mm-hmm. and you don't get great sleep. I mean, the labor beds are like, it feels like a piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> comfortable. Yeah. yeah. They're not, they're not the best. It's not comfortable at all. Mm -hmm. So just the times I did have to sit in there, um, sit on the bed or kind of lay on it. I mean, early contractions, not an issue, but I could, I could see if you didn't know, you know, about being able to walk around or you didn't want to walk around or whatever, but I could see how you end up sort of 
just in this in this world of okay we're gonna do this now okay we're gonna give you this okay do you want an epidural sure why not da, 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 da. like i could just see how you just end up in this situation where you know it's not always bad sometimes that's good for someone i'm not knocking it because i went in with an open mind and i think that was also something i needed to do for myself i wasn't going to be upset if i got an epidural i wasn't going to be upset if i had a c-section i just wanted to have a healthy baby that took a lot of pressure off of you know my mind going into it where i was you know because you don't know what's going to happen in the moment um, but i you know i did have the knowledge of wanting to have a natural birth as natural as i could and it ended up happening you know the best way it could happen even through an induction which was huge for me really big yeah that is big because <laughs> those <laughs> sensations are often a lot harder to cope with so it's really yeah. remarkable that you were able to cope yeah with those because I mean, with the induction too they had to give me pitocin that's um, what i was going to ask do you remember which yeah. drugs they did and all yeah. So it was just, yeah. they just started straight away with Pitocin or did they do Cervidil or Cyatec before that or a Philly um, balloon? It was Cervidil um, over, was it overnight? Over, yeah, mm -hmm. Cervidil overnight. And they took it out um, and I wasn't, you know, because my body didn't kick in its normal process or whatever. So I think by noon is when they started the Pitocin. Mm -hmm. um, and that was actually, I mean, I don't know how that could be otherwise because this was my only experience, but I do know that it was manageable. Like, however they were kind of making it go through, and I did have, like, those rest points. You know, I did. I never had a natural birth without that, but the knowledge that from the class and all that, having a natural contraction and then having the rest point, I was getting, like, the rest points that were, you know, well, they were, yeah, they were going gentle with it. Yeah, they, they were, were just slowly, slowly seeing what it did. Then they'd increase it a tiny bit more. So it wasn't like, you know, they give yeah. you a whole bunch of it and all of a sudden you're dilated. It, yeah. it mm -hmm. still took a while. And, you know, it, I guess it felt close to probably what it would be without it to a yeah. degree. So it wasn't That's too not, Yeah, and you never know how a person's body is going to respond to it because sometimes even when they do, they always do a small dose and very cautiously proceed and increase. But but sometimes women's bodies just go, whoa, this is a lot. This is too much, yeah. even in a small amount. So it's nice that it seems like it had its intended effect for your body, including like your perception of it. Right. Good. Yeah. A lot. Um, yeah. A lot of it was just being able to know what was coming next, I think. Rick, oh, no. do, you, do you remember across the labor in the first stage of labor before pushing, how did you and Bori... Tag, did you tag team? How did you guys work together? What do you? What are your memories from like in helping support Mariko? Well, I mean, for for a good portion of it, Bori wasn't there, right? We the called her yeah. more towards the end. Oh, that's because right. Because we, you said seven centimeters. That yeah. was like quite. And a, we had a, a pretty good handle on it most of the time. Just us two sitting in the room. So I mean, really, the the biggest thing was just trying to to keep her cool when she wasn't having contractions and just kind of take her mind off it, talk, listen to music, whatever we could do, let her get a break. And when she was going through contractions, I think a lot of it was using the rebozo and massage and just constantly being in it with her while she's having the, the contractions, you know, staying with her, not taking off, not leaving the room and all that stuff. Cause you know, I've heard stories of people doing things like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> You know, like, not yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, it was thank really you for not being that person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Mariko thanks you for not being that person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, but that's, you know, it's the small price to pay in that sense is, I mean, it's at least a, a guy can do. We can't go through the rest of it. So it's really not the biggest deal to when your wife's having contractions to rub her back or, you know, talk her through it or just, just be there. It's mm. not much else you can really do except for just be there. Mm-hmm. Just be present and be in it. What kind of massage or like what parts of your body, Mariko, were you needing? What, what um, helped? Like specific parts or back, techniques? Lower back. It was lower back. The lower back. And I remember when Bori came because he, he was kind of doing the lower back thing. And I guess the constant standing for Rick and like all of this just being <laughs> being the support person. Um you know, Bori came in, she set, set up, you know, the diffuser and, and kind of brought fresh energy into the mix too, after being there with the induction. Um, but she was asking, you know, she was asking Rick, like, what, what's going on or whatever. And he was like, it tends to be the lower back. That's the only thing that's helping. And then she was like, okay. And then she just kind of took over and was just, you know, during the contractions, like she was on that spot. And then Rick was able to kind of like, you know, focus on other things. Um, but it was, it was lower back and feet. I feel like the feet were kind of grounding too. Mm. Not so much massaging my feet, but even just like holding my Holding. Ankle. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was just kind of like grounding me in the moment. And I don't know, maybe it's sort of also just like the gravity of it too, um, of just wanting things to kind of shift, you know, down and out, you know, mm-hmm. it's probably sort of like that motion that was helping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah super helpful um and even i don't know the breath it's, like, it's waves it's, yeah it's like it's waves of the ocean it's the wave comes you ride the wave and it settles down and, it, and you try to catch your breath and, mm. and then it happens again so <laughs> you get used to it after a minute of, of the flow used to the flow of it at least mm. and then it's you know you time it and you just kind of know it's coming and, and you prepare for it and you know it's gonna you know dissipate to so just like focusing on like the fact that it's it's gonna go away in a short yeah. amount of time is kind of like what helps i think is instead of focusing like oh my god this hurts it's like yes it hurts but in two minutes it's gonna stop right. and we'll be good for a little bit so it's mm-hmm. just focusing on on that aspect i think helps keep the the motivation going and the energy going because i can definitely see how it would be easy to go the opposite way or get too tired or, or kind of like fall into, you know, something opposite of, of that kind of flow. So I think it's just important to, to stay on top of it and, and just ride the wave. So then going back to uh, after birth, do you, so you said the lactation consultant was there right after birth. And then how were the, how was the rest of your stay there? It was, it was helpful. I mean, I had a really great nurse when we transitioned to the, well, all, it was probably like a rotation of like three nurses, but they were all super great, super, super nice. Um, anything you need. So there was times where, you know, it's also a lot, like I didn't realize how you watch videos of people breastfeeding and it looks super easy and with practice, it gets easier, but there's like so much going on because all of a sudden you just gave birth. Mm-hmm. So for me, there was just like, you know, just like the pains of giving natural birth and all that. But um, the coordination of holding the baby's head, getting her latched on to, 
to the nipple and then also like massaging your breasts before she latches on and then holding your breasts a certain way so it could get into the deep that whole process where I was like whoa what is happening like I'm not gonna be able to do this and you're tired too and you're kind of like nap out of it and you're like what 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 is happening um but the the great thing is the nurses are they were awesome so like there was times where I'm like I don't know if I'm doing this right I'm not sure if I'm getting a good latch and you know, I would kind of just press the button. They're like, what's going on? I'm like, I need help getting a latch. And I just did that numerous times throughout throughout the day there. And they would, you know, they would come and they would be like, is it okay if I touch you? And I'm like, yeah, fine. Like, I just, uh, we need to feed the baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> but they need help. Um, but they would, they'd be like, great, you're doing it. We would get the latch. Um, the more times you practice, obviously, the easier it is. And the funny thing is, like, after a few weeks of going through that process, the baby's kind of doing it for you. Like, she knows or he knows like what's happening and then they kind of just hop on themselves (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, which is which is pretty awesome to see yeah yeah one thing I want to mention is when you said there was a lactation consultant I always just want to point out check expectant parents listening um just check with uh, your birthplace to see if your birthplace has a lactation consultant because that would be some a specialist not just a postpartum nurse because not all postpartum nurses have a lot of expertise in breastfeeding so it's always just good to know if there is specifically an IBCLC ideally an international board certified lactation consultant on staff or per diem you know that who's who's available for you after you've given birth yeah because there's actually classes too going on wonderful yeah some hospitals offer that did you go to any of those i i didn't end up going to because i was getting sort of a great latch with her and i was yeah i was great i just wanted to spend as much time with her and and just be in the room and kind of just be in our little bubble um but yeah they they did have classes that i think you go you know you probably go with a group and you're able to kind of you know go through that with a group of people um Mm -hmm. it's that sort of your cup of tea in that sense, but we were, we were definitely in our own little bubble and people were, you know, visiting and, um, we were doing good with that. And I remember being very excited when she had her first, you know, urine diaper where the nurse was like, that's great. That means she's getting stuff. And I was like, Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. But it's, it wasn't easy. And, you know, there was, you know, there was ups and downs with it. There was, I did have to supplement in the beginning when, after we got home, just because, I guess waiting for the actual milk to come in and she was crying. Um, so I was, I, we had like a comedy moment where I'm calling the pediatrician, like she's crying. I don't know what's happening. We left a message at like three in the morning. Um, but she, she wouldn't stop crying and she, she was, I was in a cluster feed. So she was going every 10 minutes and oh, wow. yeah, five in the morning, six in the morning, just nonstop. And I was like, I might have to supplement her or, and I wasn't planning on it. I had nothing. I didn't have bot like I didn't have bottles, like formula, anything. Then Rick ran out to the store in the middle of the night. I mean, it was my it was my first real dad moment. <laughs> Walking into CVS in like pajamas at three in the morning, not knowing what I'm getting, what I'm doing. Yeah, I didn't even know. <laughs> I mean, it was helpful for that night until the milk came in. I think we gave her like an ounce, if that, and she kind of went to sleep and we looked at each other and we're like, that, that's it? Like, that, that's, that's all it took? Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm sharing this again because there was, 
I took all these classes. I had a doula. I wanted to have like the perfect birth, right? Like you wanted to just go into labor at home, have your water break, go in there and all these things. Um, I think also going into everything with an open mind and being like, what ends up happening doesn't mean like an end all be all. It doesn't mean that you have to be upset about it um, at the end of the day. And I remember kind of struggling with that because I did have these like expectations with breastfeeding, but she was still breastfed. Mm -hmm. But having that moment of being like, what are we going to do and what's happening and having almost like our first parent moment too with how we, how you're feeding your child is sort of a big decision and breaking away from my, my idea of breastfeeding is going to be this easy thing and um, Mm -hmm. having that middle of the night run where we're like, am I really doing this? And I'm like screenshotting things and I'm like, I think this is good. I'm not really sure. And I'm like, I think we got bottles from our baby shower. I'm like, but you can't use them right away. He's like, what do you mean you can't use them right away? I'm like, I think you have to sterilize them. <laughs> I just like, can't do that. So I'm like, not really sure. But we got through that night. It it happened. And then it was funny because I think a good friend of mine was, was breastfeeding at the time. So it was great that I was able to text her about it or whatever. She's like, that's fine. She's like, just wait. She's like, your, your milk didn't fully come in yet. She's like, you're worried about not having the milk. She's like, and then it's going to get to the point where you're spraying your baby in the face. By and that's what ended up happening. Like it's, it's like literally waiting for the milkman to come. Like it's like 24 right? hours. <laughs> 72 hours I think we're here I was like eating all the things I was supposed to like make meal come but yeah your body does what it what it has to do yeah yeah and I'm I'm so glad you brought the supplementation up because another a student of mine I interviewed recently also supplemented and she she had had a pretty rigid thinking of like oh no like all is lost if we supplement at all like no 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 and then somebody brought to her attention, no, you can still breastfeed. It's yeah. just think of it as a bridge, you know, while we're getting to the goal, we have a little bit of a bridge because fed is best, right. you know, and yes, breast milk is ideal, and, but, but it doesn't mean that we can't have a bridge if we need it, when we need it. Yeah, I love what you're, that you're emphasizing the flexibility, that mindset is so important so that you're not, you're just able to roll with the punches more easily because this is such an unknowable process, birth and breastfeeding and parenting in general, it's all <laughs> very yeah. unknowable. It, it opened up my perspective on so many things too. And it, it made me, you know, I'm already sensitive to other people, but it made me that much more sensitive too. Cause there was a time where I'm holding the baby, I'm exhausted. And I started thinking about people that end up having like a C-section too, where I'm like, it's that much tougher too. If you have like a scar and like, it's hard, it probably hurts to hold the baby and breastfeed and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you really realize like how strong women are, no matter how you birth your baby in a sense of, um, Absolutely. it's just like the, the strength that that this tiny human is here and how beautiful it is and everyone's journey is so unique and going through that process with an open mind is so so helpful because at the end you just want your your baby healthy and happy and thriving and everybody has to make different choices you know so it shouldn't be so rigid like you want to have like your ideals and like how you want things to be but reality isn't that in that sense, you know, life happens, things happen. Mm-hmm. Being open-minded, I think, is just, it. for me, it just took like a big weight off my shoulders. 
mm-hmm. kind of going into it that way. And with the formula thing too, I want to say that even going down that road opened up this whole other thing that I wasn't even aware of in terms of what formula is made out of. It, it brought me into this whole other like rabbit hole. Rabbit hole, <laughs> I guess. I can, yeah. And then seeing what's available over, like, you know, here and, and what, what ingredients are in there. And, you know, we both tend to eat healthy. I was healthy throughout my whole pregnancy. And, you know, supplementing her with formula, it, it was great for that night. Um, and then in times where she needed it, but she wasn't having a great reaction to it. And that was one thing that I really noticed where it took me down another path where I was able to find a really great organic formula. So I kind of do want to say... Is it hip or holly? Yes. Yeah. Holly. Um, Uh uh So yes. Or for people that are kind of, you know, supplementing or if they're having issues with breastfeeding or if they have to take medication and can't breastfeed for a certain time, I think like kind of looking at that too is helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I think, I don't think I was bringing hip and Holly up yet when you guys took my class, probably. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. more recently started learning about that from some colleagues. So I'm glad, yeah. I'm very glad you brought that up. Yeah. Well, yeah, the difference between the holly and stuff you would buy at CVS at three in the morning is substantially <laughs> different. Hugely um, different, yeah. As long as you get hip or holly from a reliable place. Yeah. I don't, did you guys see the New York Times article that came out recently that was kind of bashing it? But right. like, I didn't really agree with some of <laughs> what they were talking about. I think, I mean, if that sort of comes down to people not preparing something properly, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where it has nothing to do with the formula itself. Um, it's yeah. just sort of, they, they weren't making it correctly and it had an adverse reaction, which it's not the formula. <laughs> it could be anything that you're doing that with. Yeah, we have yeah. had zero issues yeah. on that as opposed to, uh, we try initially, the, yeah, the two whatever, whatever major brands um, and, yeah. Just a difference in, in the color mm-hmm. you know, of her feces and, <laughs> yeah. and all of just that help, is yeah. just, I remini- have- the holly is reminiscent to, to what we saw in breastfeeding, yeah. where the other stuff just wasn't at all. It was wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That was, yeah, that was, I was just like, there's so much. Like, I felt like I was Googling stuff every day. Yeah. Um, But but, good for you. You're being your baby's own best advocate. You know, that's fabulous. I'm glad you did your research and you found something better for her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's amazing. A good friend of mine, um, one of my best friends, actually, her daughter, she had her baby in France. Um, When I had shared with her just the, the brand of formula that, that I had found and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm supplementing with this now. Um, she's like, that's what I gave my daughter in France, like eight years ago. I mean, before it turned into this thing here, she's like, yeah, at the time, she's like, I just went to the store. I wanted to find something as natural as possible. She's like, that's what my daughter had as an infant. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, it's just a different world. Yeah. So that was sort of, um, I, I took that as like sort of, you know, it's almost like us being slow to the game a little bit in terms of what's available. Well, we are in a, in a lot of ways in this area of things. Mm -hmm. Are there any pieces of wisdom or tidbits you would want to share across the four months that you've been parents so far? Anything that you like big piece of advice you would want to give them? Um, I might be biased to this because (laughs) it's partially what I do um, in terms of of music. I do uh, like sound therapy, things like that. So 
as soon as the baby was born, yeah. I was, I couldn't wait to start playing music for her, you know? Um, I love it. But in those early two weeks and the crying and the pacing around the room and, and trying to, to comfort the baby that doesn't really seem to want to stop crying and <clears throat> I would do ohms, like the, the mantra ohm. And I didn't know if it was going to work. I had no idea. I think Mariko had, had left to go make a bottle. She went downstairs. And I was like, oh, what do I do? I don't know how to make the baby stop crying right now. So I just started singing ohms in a, in a deep voice. And as soon as I did that, her eyes like looked up at me like, what is that? And I kept doing it. And 10 minutes of just repeating, repeating, repeating it, she fell asleep. Oh, and I, love that. I just mm-hmm. kept doing as time progressed. She got more and more used to it. Then it was uh, singing bowls and a, and a kalimba. And yeah, she loved that. Oh, I love it. Was it. Videos of me playing the kalimba and her just passing out. So music, you don't have to play an instrument. There's plenty of, of music out in the world that you could get. Um, there's studies on it and all that that definitely soothe a baby and it does something, you know, to their mind. It gives them a sense of comfort. It, it helps reduce anxiety and all these things. So yeah. having music, even the white noise and things like that, it all really, really helps early on because once mm-hmm. they get acquainted with it, they'll be looking for it. And the minute I play her a new sound, her eyes light up. Yeah. You no, know, I have her in the car and I put music on, I sing to everything and her eyes light up and she's watching me in the, in the baby mirror in the back seat in my rear view mirror. mirror yeah. And she's just like watching me sing. It's, <gasps> music is, I think is, is a really easy, useful tool in those beginning stages and obviously in all stages. But. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've written so, so many just kind of improvised so many different songs for our kids over the years. I love, I love that. If you make any videos of, you, it sounded like you might have, have done that. Oh, yeah. Please, po- please post them on my Birth Matters Facebook page or, or somewhere. I just yesterday found this video online of a dad with a guitar and the little newborn like sprawled. Yeah, have yes. you seen that? Awesome. Just like totally drugged and <laughs> just falling asleep with the vibration <laughs> of the guitar and his lovely voice and Oh, I loved it so much. So when you were saying those different instruments, it was reminding me of that video. And I was like, I want to see you with your daughter doing that. That's oh, yeah. This, we have, like, I, I took a video today, even now, uh, she does tummy time. And I have like this tiny little drum in her room that I, I play for her. And yeah, this is- um, like, a, like a pan drum, you know, like a metallic, you know, uh, tongue drum. And I always just, leave, I just left those two instruments in her room, basically. And every time... We would play, you know, the musician in me is like, I'm going to play music for her constantly, so maybe one day she's going to be a musician, you know, whatever. <laughs> but she really didn't care so much in the very beginning with, with the drums and the, this thing and that thing, and it's just like, you know, dad trying to bombard his baby with the things that he liked. <laughs> but she started to get more receptive to sound around three months, where it uh-huh. became... A wondrous thing like what is that noise I, rather I, than I, overstimulating yeah yeah so now that that she's there you know tummy time she's eating her little toys and she's having fun I look at her and I'm like okay you ready well and I, I'll count to three or four and I just start playing and then all of a sudden the legs are going she yeah. drops the toy she's staring at me she's moving around 
So it's it's like instant, oh. instant. So it's I think it's important. I don't know if it would be instant if I didn't ha- if I wouldn't have started that right away. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I think you know it's nice to to have the exposure of that stuff for them. You know, when she's older, whatever she wants to do, she can do. But I think, you know, music does set off a lot of things in your receptors and your neurons and it's a lot of good for the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so stimulating them with music, I think, is super, super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, with breastfeeding in the beginning, I would kind of play like a, the same sort of track for her every time we kind of got settled into it. So it was sort of like this like happy association. Ritual. Uh, I love that. And I remember there was one time because one of it was sort of like this. Um, it w- I think it was sort of like mantra based song or whatever, but it was like a little faster, faster pace. Um, but I remember like holding her and. I was kind of rocking like this while she was breastfeeding um, to the music and her little like mouth like smirked up in a smile and she looked up at me or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, she's totally like, she's like, I like this. I'm like being rocked and I'm eating and like we're listening to music and it was the cutest thing. Like looking down at her and seeing like her little smirk, like creating these like little rituals, super helpful. I think having a routine with them is so helpful it's when familiar, we're still, we're still doing that where it's the we're doing the eat play sleep routine yeah. and that's just awesome because you know what's coming next and she knows what's coming next and you're able to kind of like see her cues so that helped us with the sleep too because she ate now she's playing i was doing tummy time from the very beginning once that little umbilical cord fell off i mean she was sleeping on her belly you know i'm watching her but the minute she's playing and i get one yawn and i would just transfer her i wouldn't we would try to catch things before she would start having the really like i'm tired ah, and like flailing so i think those types of things were so helpful and when i was home with her on maternity like i'm like oh i know within i know how long she could stay awake like when she was you know super little it was like 20 minutes 30 minutes and now it's sort of we have her we kind of know we're like she's gonna get tired in an hour or she looks a certain way but having that eat play sleep eat play sleep sort of just repeats itself over and over again well that's i think Um, that's a it's a good point though because it's making things familiar and recognizable to the baby mm -hmm. is is huge even like we were talking about music right like making like a morning playlist on Spotify and a sleep playlist. And you play that same playlist mm-hmm. every single day, every single night. Mm-hmm. They hear the music, they know it's time to go to sleep. Yeah. It's associating things for them mm-hmm. that makes it easier for everyone. Maybe that's the mindset is, is not like, okay, we're new parents. We don't know what we're doing. How do we figure this out? It's more of like the baby's also new. She's this new little human who knows nothing. So it's all of you together learning to be together. It's not just right. how do we take care of this mm-hmm. child? Mm-hmm. It's, it's learning and melding all together. And then she understands your cues. You understand her cues. It just takes a little time, but I think staying as much as you can with, with things like that and helping them figure life out in that way makes it so much easier to take it along with things. And just having fun. I think like the biggest thing that we both were just, we were having a lot of fun with her. I mean, 
even in a newborn stage, I have so many videos where we're like talking to her and she's like smiling with her eyes closed, just listening to our voice. And you know, we're like having like little just being silly. Yeah. Being like silly. And like, um, cause you can get caught up in the moment too, being sleep deprived and hungry and the baby's hungry. You're hungry. Um, and it could get to you. But at the end of the day, you're like, if this is short lived, um, like why try to rush through it? Cause I remember having a hard time with the sleep deprived deprivation in the beginning and being like how long does this last oh my god can I make it like this is crazy this is so hard and I remember having a moment with her and I was rocking her um in you know like the rocker and I looked down and I'm like why am I trying to fast forward I was like why am I trying to fast forward through this moment I was like you're only gonna be this little once and I'm like and I'm only like it's so short-lived and being on the other side of it after the three months and now she's four months and how how much they changed and how much they learn in that short amount of time. Looking back, I'm like, it's really a blip. It feels so hard in the moment, but really being in the moment with them is amazing. And I feel like the hardest was just, it's funny, the middle of the night would be the hardest, obviously, because you want to sleep and you're constantly waking up and you're breastfeeding or supplement or whatever you're doing, no matter what, you're still up um, doing this cycle with them. But the funniest thing would be like once like once the sun came out, I was fine. Like it just felt like a new day began, and then she would give me like a newborn like smile in her sleep, and I'm like, this is like it. It was just it was like well, yeah. I mean, talking about it now, it's it's probably helpful, maybe for anyone who's gonna go on that journey in the beginning. It's it's hard. It could be totally hard but it's also beautiful and rewarding. But I think simple things that make that first two to three weeks easier, just home life stuff is having, you know, half prepared meals. Yeah. Things that are really easy, you know, Mm -hmm. know, sometimes it's frozen mac and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, before you get to the house and you have that baby, because once you get to the house and you have that baby with you for the first time, you're going to feel frantic. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're emotional. You haven't processed, you know, what you just went through. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot. So whatever you can do, that's just everyday things that are maybe a little pre-planned or a little pre-set up. So in the morning, you know, someone's got the baby, you know, the coffee's already in the coffee machine. You just hit the button. Like yeah. little silly things make the biggest difference mm. when you're tired and there's a lot going on. So it's mm-hmm. think about your daily routine now yeah. before you have a child, write it down or something. And yes. <laughs> how can I make these 10 things easier than I do every day? Because when I have a baby, they're not going to be easy anymore. Right? It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Isn't it? How the smallest yeah. thing suddenly seemed that's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting too, because I think our relationship changed a lot where we have been living together and we've been married and we've been together for a while but I think you get so much more mindful of each other once a baby comes into the picture because you realize how much you need from each other and being aware of that too Mm -hmm. I think is so important because there was mornings where let's say I'm downstairs and the baby woke up and he happens to still you know he's the one upstairs and being with the baby and I was going to just get a break for a second but you're mindful and I'd be coming upstairs with two cups of coffee instead of just thinking about myself. You're leaving the room and before you leave, you're like, hey, I'm going downstairs for a second or I need to go outside, whatever it is. And it's like, do you need anything? Like you're that much more mindful of 
each other. And you're, I think that was super helpful. Like Rick thinking about things that I needed that I wasn't even thinking about yet, where he'd be like, she's sleeping, go in the shower. You should, you should go in the shower right now while you have, you know, while you have the moment or I'd go downstairs and make food. He's like, I have her. Like it, it, you become like so much, um, I don't know, your relationship changes in, in kind of like an awesome way too, because you're just sort of, it's like you're raising a child together and at the same time you're falling in love with the baby and you're falling in love with each other all over again and then falling in love with watching your partner become a parent and become a dad mm-hmm. or a mom. And it's like this overwhelming like experience. Um, and I think, you know, there was moments that it was hard and we were stressed out or, um, but being like in the moment and being like appreciative of each other is huge. I think that really helped us a lot. Um, yeah, of course. It, it really did. Um, yeah, because even in the beginning, you know, there was a few nights where it does, could totally get to you, you know, and she's crying and crying and crying and crying and you're tired and exhausted. And there was definitely a few nights where I just felt so frustrated where you just want to put like, you know, sound isolation headphones on. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Shut off and you can't. And I think in those moments that support structure and, and all that where it's like, all right, you know, you see, I'm getting a little mm-hmm. stress levels rising and your stress level is not as high as mine. So I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to go outside for five minutes and breathe mm-hmm. some air. And then we'll switch when your stress level gets high. So it's, yeah. it's a big deal. I think those little things giving, helping each other have a break yeah. when I mean, you need it to kind of recharge or just breathe. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was eye opening. I mean, and it was there was a lot of funny moments too in the funny, beginning funny when I was you know I was I wasn't pumping. I I couldn't wrap my head around pumping for whatever reason. I think I was just overwhelmed. So I was like, I can't even look at that machine. I don't even know what it does. Sure. I, I was just exclusively breastfeeding, and she was cluster feeding a lot, trying to get my milk supply up. And and Rick's like, holy cow, you've been upstairs all day long. Like you haven't eaten. Like this isn't like, what can I do? He's like, I feel helpless and da da da. But there were, it was just a funny moment where I was like, I'm starving. And she's, you know, I'm breastfeeding her. And he came upstairs with a bowl of salad. <laughs> I'm breastfeeding her and he's feeding me salad. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, looking at each other and I'm like, is this our life right now? Is this really happening? <laughs> wild right but i love that you guys were have been selfless toward one another and really like you said mindful and intentional with balancing that load and complimenting and helping each other because i think that's when couples get into trouble in this time in their life if they're not able to get outside of themselves and not able to or not trying to be intentional with lifting each other up and helping each other. So that's such good wisdom. I'm so grateful that you shared that. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, we're also both big meditators. So maybe pre-baby, it may be a good idea to meditate with your partner. Yeah. Just close your eyes, be together, breathe, and that's it. You don't have to know a crazy technique. You don't need to take, you know, a year-long meditation course. You just, you know, count, breathe. Yeah. Mm. and just be in that silence together because you're going to need those tools going. Yes. and it's yes. a nice free simple tool that anybody in the world can do so i think you know mm. maybe 
learning a little bit about it, watching some YouTube videos, whatever you got to do to figure that out, it's worth exploring because it, it helps and it brings you together too in a different way. So it's mm-hmm. a really nice thing to road to go down. And then I guess another thing that I kind of want to add to is um, I had an idea. I mean, that I had a lot of experience with my niece and nephew. It's completely different when you have your own child. Um, but I had this idea, like, we were going to come home with the baby and, like, my routine somehow, our routines were going to stay the same, I think. I think I thought that. I think I thought I was still going to be able to cook dinner and, and the baby was going to sleep, like, you know, four hours at a time. She wasn't one of those babies. I know some newborns do. Um, she never was and she still isn't. Um, but... <laughs> I kind of just had this idea that things were going to be a certain way. And then I had ideas that I was going to be working out, you know, once I got the clearance from the doctor, just different expectations I had for myself. And then also different expectations I put on myself becoming a mother. And I was like, I'm going to be this way and that way. And then I was kind of thinking about how I was parented and all of this like sort of noise where I remember one day I kind of woke up with the baby and I'm like, I'm still me, but I'm a mom. And that's okay. Like I, I kind of like just got rid of all these ideas and things I read and how I'm supposed to be a different person or I'm going to change and kind of was like, this is, this is the now and it's okay. Like I don't have to fit into this mold. I don't have to fit into this perfect thing. You're not going to figure everything out overnight. You're not going to be cooking dinners every, and if you do, God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) It's sort of, I kind of, that was a little bit of a shock to me, I think, because I thought I was just going to, we're going to take care of this baby, no problem. And I was still going to be like cycling through my days as I did before. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had to let that go really quick and kind of honor the space that I was in and, and really nurture yourself as you're nurturing the baby because your body just went through so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I think like being in New York too, like you're so used to being like, go, 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 fast pace, you bounce back, you're doing this, you're doing that. Um, And you see a lot of that, like on TV, like where people have a baby and then they're out. And um, even people I follow on Instagram or whatever, they're out the next day. And I'm like, I can't even walk down the block. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're sore. (laughs) Um, But letting letting that go and being super gentle with yourself um, and knowing that you're like sort of like your landscape and the rhythm of your day has changed but you'll get back to that place that you were at just different now it's gonna be because now I'm back to work yeah I'm back to work now there are some days that I'm I cook dinner there's some days that I don't Rick's mom my mother-in-law has been amazing where she's brought so many like meals over and cooked things and and that's been a, a really big help but yeah, it's just sort of being gentle with yourself and not kind of putting pressure on yourself and really enjoying the time because it goes, it's going quick. And this is only, I'm only four months in and I'm like, oh, like, where's my tiny baby? Like she grew four inches already. Like it's, it's crazy. And they change so much. Mm-hmm. And those moments that I was holding her constantly all day long. And I'm like, why won't she sleep in her bassinet? She just wants to sleep on me. I'm like longing for that now because now yeah. she's body she like wants to be on on her belly she wants to be playing she wants to be held upright and i'm like why won't you nuzzle in my neck anymore (laughs) yeah like enjoy it i Mm -hmm. i get it now i got so much advice from um you know moms that i work with and and friends of mine that were just like just stay in the bubble stay in the bubble and enjoy it because it's not you're not going to get it back 
Thank you so much, you guys. This has been such a wonderful chat. I've loved all your insights that you've given. They're fantastic. I'm especially keen on the whole music therapy thing. <laughs> that just delights me. All right. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Uh, thank hope you. to see you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. So there you have Mariko's and Rick's birth story. I wanted to briefly elaborate on three things. The birthing ball, eating in labor, and monitoring. Mariko mentions a birthing ball. This is an exercise ball that can be hugely helpful in labor for various purposes, including sitting on and rocking. I'll link to information with more reasons you may want to consider having an exercise ball for your labor. I do want to point out that if you're giving birth in a hospital, you should check and be sure not only that they have them, but ask if they have them for every single room. Often they don't, and then if they're occupied when you get there, you won't be able to use one. It's something you should be able to bring with you and that you also may want for laboring at home. If you purchase one, you want to be sure it's large enough that your knees are not higher than your hips when you sit on it. In general, I find that the majority of my students prefer the 75 centimeter size, especially for a specific partner-supported squatting technique that we try out in class. I'll link to my Amazon list in the show notes where you can find a suggested ball and other recommended tools for labor and early parenting. Mariko also mentioned a law that was passed about eating in labor. I think what she meant was not that there's a law, but that there's strong evidence and recommendations to support the importance of being allowed to eat and drink in labor. The outdated reason that it's been prohibited is that back in the day, there was a risk that if a person had to go under general anesthesia for a cesarean, they could aspirate the food or drink, meaning it could get into their lungs. Anesthesia has made so many advances over the years that this risk is almost non-existent. And not just that, also the vast majority of cesareans don't even require general, but rather use epidural or spinal injection for numbing instead. I wanted to say a few words about monitoring since Mariko brought up the wireless Bluetooth monitoring that was used at Winthrop. Usually, for a low-risk labor, intermittent monitoring is the best approach with an eye toward minimizing unnecessary interventions. The definition of intermittent monitoring usually means around 20 minutes of monitoring of every hour and at least 40 minutes off the monitor so that you're more free to move around. When just about any medications are introduced, and with the idea that with any strong medication there comes risk, it will almost always be necessary and required by the hospital to use continuous monitoring, as was necessary for Mariko's labor. This wireless option helped her to maintain some freedom of movement. If you're low risk, I recommend advocating for yourself to have intermittent monitoring and then asking your birthplace if wireless monitoring is an option in the event that continuous monitoring becomes necessary. Or if you have risk factors that necessitate continuous monitoring, definitely find out if wireless is an option and advocate for use of that in your labor. If they say wireless units are available, ask if they're used much in reality. Here in New York, many hospitals say they have it, but when folks show up in labor, they're either not charged or there's no nurse on staff who's trained in how to use it. So it really just depends on your hospital. A number of doulas here in New York keep saying that wireless monitoring is a little like a unicorn. You hear they exist, but more often than not, they're not being used. 
Rick made a short YouTube video of some of the sound explorations they've done with their daughter, Amiko, for you to enjoy. He also shared a Spotify playlist he created for babies for me to share with you. It's full of music that has helped soothe Amiko during sleep and relaxed times and includes some of Rick's work, but also music from all over the world. And if you're in New York and are interested in attending a sound meditation led by Rick, please visit his website to see his upcoming events at pranasoundstudio.com. You can find links to all of these things in the show notes over on birthmattersshow.com. Before we go, have you reviewed the podcast yet? We'd be so grateful if you could post a review as we want expectant parents to be able to more readily find us. Thanks so much. Here is what's up next week. The nurse comes up to me and she's like, you can hold on to me. She, she hold, takes me by the arms and she said, hold on to my shoulders. I'd never seen or met this woman before, but she had heard me in the shower and she said, okay, so now we'll, we'll harmonize together. So basically like the midwife said to me, why don't you sing the song you wrote for her? Because they assumed I had written a song for her. And then I did. And then her head came down and it stayed there. <gasps>